This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. Today's reading is taken from Proverbs and Psalms. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be, may be grief. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. This is the eternal word of God. We've been working our way through several topics in the book of Proverbs in order to discover how the wisdom of God gives us the ability to successfully navigate through every aspect of life. It's guidance for dealing with all of life's situations. And last week, we saw that envy is a sin that not only shrinks our souls, but has been a catalyst for all kinds of havoc and violence throughout history. It's a kind of spiritual virus used by Satan to divide people from one another and from God. And the only way to fight a spiritual virus is with a spiritual vaccine. And that vaccine is the gospel. It's only through tasting the goodness of our Lord through the gospel that we can truly be satisfied with what we have. And that destroys the power of envy. So today I want to talk about another spiritual sickness. Uh, This is not a sin, but this is a result of sin in this fallen world. I want to talk about woundedness. The woundedness that we all experience to one degree or another in the course of life here on earth. In the novel Pilgrim's Progress, the two travelers, Christian and Hopeful, are journeying towards the celestial city and they encounter many trials and obstacles along the way. And one day they took a detour. It looked like it was going to be an easier path, but they got lost and they ended up falling asleep on the property of one giant despair where he lived with his wife in Doubting Castle. And the next morning, They were rudely awakened. And Bunyan writes, 
Then, with a grim and surly voice, he bade them awake and asked them whence they were and what they did in his grounds. And they told him they were pilgrims and that they had lost their way. Giant Despair said, You have this night trespassed on me by trampling in and lying on my grounds, and therefore you must go along with me. The giant therefore drove them before him and put them into his castle in a very dark dungeon, nasty and stinking to the spirit of these two men. So after this, the giant went and told his wife, whose name was Diffidence, which means mistrust. And uh, she counseled him that he should beat them and encourage them to kill themselves. So Bunyan continues. Then the giant lay into them with his cudgel most fiercely, so beating them that they were not able to help themselves or turn them upon the floor. This done, he left them there to commiserate in their great distress and mourn over their calamity. So for the rest of that day, they did nothing else but offer sighs and bitter lamentations. We're all pilgrims who have at times lost our way and gotten trapped in dungeons of the soul where nasty and stinking, that, that were nasty and stinking to our spirits. <clears throat> I'm not necessarily talking about full-blown depression here, although it could include that. We're talking about the turmoil in our inner being, in our soul, Proverbs calls it a crushed spirit, a broken spirit, an anxious heart, a sick heart, and a sad heart. So I'm calling it all woundedness. I'm talking about that deep inner woundedness that despairs of ever being healed when we're in the middle of it. So look at Proverbs 18.14. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the same word for wind. And wind is a force that is invisible, yet powerful. And when our spirits are strong, we can face the world no matter the obstacles. Those most afflicted can live in confidence and victory if their spirit is healthy. But when it's wounded, it doesn't matter if we're in the best of circumstances. You could be physically healthy. You could be secure financially. You could have friends and family who are loving and supportive. But none of that matters to you if you have a wounded spirit. And we often don't know how we got there. We don't know how we got off the right path. And we feel helpless in dealing with these powerful and confusing feelings. We want out, and we don't know how to escape. King David often experienced this kind of woundedness. He asked in Psalm 42.11, Why are you downcast, or cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? So today... We're going to look at some of the ways we become wounded and then discover how we can be healed of our woundedness. 
So what are some of the ways that we get a wounded heart? Well, the first one is physical. Now, we just saw in, in the verse before this that a man's spirit, when it's strong and healthy, can endure physical illness and pain. But none of us are in top spiritual condition at all times. This is when our spirits are vulnerable to being wounded. I have great sympathy for anyone that has long-term maladies. And I don't want to condemn anyone for becoming discouraged. My goal here is to simply recognize that our bodies are a potential source for a wounded spirit. Even the greatest leaders of all time have succumbed to this. Remember Elijah, after his victory over the prophets of Baal, he fled into the wilderness from, King, from Queen Jezebel, who had vowed to kill him. And 1 King 19.4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah was exhausted. He, He ran for a day. He was hungry, and he became depressed. And it wasn't until he had rested and an angel brought him breakfast that he came out of it. And then after that, Scripture says that he went on in strength. He went on into his next assignment for the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 20, King Hezekiah became sick to the point of death. And he begged God to spare him, but he wept bitterly, it says. His genuine faith in God did not preclude his deep anguish of soul. But God spared him, and he went on to be used by God for several more years. And Martin Luther, he was one of the greatest Christian leaders of all time. And he suffered often with doubt and despair due to physical illnesses. In 1527, the bubonic plague struck the town of Wittenberg, where, where Luther was a pastor and a professor. And he was one of the first to get the disease. He wrote this to his confidant and right-hand man in the Reformation movement, Philip Melanchthon. He said, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain, and I still tremble. Completely abandoned by Christ, I labored under the vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against God. Wow, that's deep pain. But Luther's whole life was a life of ministry dedicated to the Lord. Yet at times, he struggled with depression. Another cause of woundedness is existential. By that I mean existence itself can be troubling to our souls. There's often a gnawing sense of hopelessness and helplessness even in the best of times, we all question whether our lives have meaning. We all know that we're going to die someday. 
We know that not long after we're gone, that we will be totally forgotten by the world. And when, and when this is taken to its extreme, you get the philosophy of existentialism that says there is no ultimate meaning in life. I saw this meme the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. Um, it's called Existential Threat. There's a beatnik hipster fellow with a cigarette and a beret, and he's standing at the window of a bank teller, and he says, hand over the money or I'll explain the absurdity of all human existence. <laughs> Look at Proverbs fourteen thirteen. Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The greatest joys in life are going to come to an end. All of our accomplishments will be forgotten and turned to dust. Every relationship we have is going to end in death. That's guaranteed. And if you don't have a solid set of beliefs that can deal with that fact, you will experience woundedness. And this verse applies to everyone, no matter where they fall on the spectrum of belief. An atheist who says that they can just make their own meaning in life is simply whistling past the graveyard. You can be sure that he has his moments of doubt and despair. And even believers who are confident of their eternal salvation can at times be unsure of God's plan and their place in it and feel this nagging sense of futility. And by the way, next week, we're going to begin the book of Ecclesiastes that deals at length with this existential problem. Another potential source of woundedness is relational. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We need a good word from each other. We're not meant to be loners. Our souls crave relationship. And without input from others, our souls become dark and heavy. That's why solitary confinement is such a cruel punishment. I love these verses from Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. There's a lot more to companionship than the physical benefits. We all fall down emotionally and need to be lifted up by our brothers and sisters. There's a deep satisfaction in our souls when our relationships are good. And the reverse is true. When relationships are bad, it destroys our inner peace. I believe the deepest wounds that human beings can have come from broken relationships. A severed relationship is like a severed limb. It's an irreplaceable loss. It can ruin a life. Many people never recover from this and live the rest of their lives with these wounds. Another cause for woundedness is moral. Proverbs 28, 1. 
The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now this is a quote from Leviticus 26, where God warns Israel that if they disobey his commandments, they will flee, though no one is pursuing them. Let's look at that. Leviticus 26, 36. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight, and they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. He sent them faintness of heart. A guilty conscience wounds our spirit. It causes us to always be looking over our shoulder in fear of being caught. An offhand remark may seem like an attack, and we flee when no one is pursuing. When we as believers are in open rebellion towards God, it robs us of our joy, and it takes away our assurance. It looks like the Apostle John had this in mind when he wrote this in 1 John 3.19-21. By this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Living righteously brings confidence. Sin brings shame and defensiveness. So, now that we have an idea of some of the causes of woundedness, let's look at how we can be healed. The first thing we need to recognize is as believers, there's sometimes when God allows wounds in order to draw us back to him. When we change our perspective on those wounds, we're better able to bear them. The Apostle Paul experienced this, and he wrote about it in first, Second Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. He said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul responds to this with, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God afflicted Paul with a physical wound in order to keep him humble because of his unprecedented access to spiritual reality. And at first, Paul wouldn't accept this. He pleaded to have this physical wound healed. And that physical wound was causing a spiritual wound in his heart. But when God explained his purpose his attitude changed. And instead of fighting against it, he rejoiced in it. The weakness of his spiritual body brought about a strength in his spirit and healed his woundedness. 
Now, the best way to deal with woundedness is to never let it get started. You know, we're, we're like sheep. We put ourselves in danger when we stray away from the shepherd. He's the source of our, sa- our, of our safety and our sustenance. And if we attempt to put our hope in anything, Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, what's this reference to the tree of life? Remember, it was in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of creation. And there, the first couple experienced complete wholeness. There, they walked with God, and he supplied everything that they needed to be satisfied both physically and spiritually. He is the only one who can fulfill our desires. He's the only one who can satisfy our longings. He's the only one that can make our spirits whole and healthy. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost all that. So, how do you and I get back to the garden? Ephesians 3 14 through 16 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, where? In your inner being. Like Adam and Eve before the fall, we can once again walk with God through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. When we're strengthened in our inner being, we can fend off those things that seek to wound us. The closer we walk with him, the fewer of those wounds we will get. But as long as we're here in these bodies of flesh, wounds are going to come. So what do we do? Well, let's find out what Christian and Hopeful did. Um, instead of giving in to the temptation to give up and kill themselves, they decided to pray. And beginning at midnight on Saturday, they prayed all night. And in the morning, Christian had a dramatic realization. It says, What a fool, he said. I have a key in my bosom called promise that will, I am persuaded, Open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then Hopeful said, That's good news, good brother. Pluck it out of thy bosom and try. Then Christian plucked it out of his bosom and began to try it at the dungeon door, whose bolt, as he turned the key, gave back. And the door flew open with ease. And Christian and Hopeful both came out Then Christian and Hopeful went on till they came to the king's highway once again. And here they were safe because they were out of the giant's jurisdiction. And with that, the pilgrims were marching with confidence toward the celestial city again. Now, pilgrim's progress is an allegory of the Christian life. And John Bunyan's purpose in this episode, is not to warn against doubts of God's existence. 
Its purpose is to encourage believers to persevere through doubt and despair. That reminded me of Winston Churchill's wise advice. When you're going through hell, keep going. Christian and hopeful, we're still convinced of the reality of the celestial city and the king who ruled there. And they weren't doubting the king's book that they carried with them. They constantly quoted it to one another in the midst of their trial. Their doubt was personal. It was a doubt about what God was doing in their life at the moment. It was a doubt about whether they should carry on or just give up. And the answer came after they spent all night in prayer. And that was on Sunday morning. The solution dawned on Christian. It was this key called promise. The answer to woundedness as well as all brokenness came on a Sunday morning when Christ rose from the dead. All of the promises of God were fulfilled and proven to be valid with that event. Isaiah proclaimed 700 years before Christ came that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was wounded so that we could be healed. He suffered so that we can escape suffering. And that was true for believers even before Jesus came. The promises were already there in the Old Testament. By placing trust in the promise giver, the Old Testament saints received the same healing as we do. We just have more information about how it happens now. But look at Psalm 103 where David is reminding himself of the goodness of God. This isn't just an intellectual exercise. His whole being is responding to God in worship and adoration. Psalm 103 beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's intentionally remembering the promises of God here. He's reminding himself not to forget them. And what are those benefits? What are those promises? Verses 3 and 4. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Those promises include forgiveness and love and mercy. Now, when we're wounded, we usually dwell on the bad things that hurt us. We forget to be thankful about the amazing grace that gave us our salvation. It's not that we've stopped believing. We just stop focusing on the right thing. So what's the effect of remembering these benefits? Verse 5. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Our spirit is strengthened. Our youth is renewed. It's only through clinging 
to the promise of eternal life in the gospel that we can even begin to heal the woundedness of our hearts. Then our souls are satisfied. And that is what brings strength back to a wounded spirit. Now, so far we've been talking about what we need to understand about the woundedness in our own hearts. But I want to end with a quick exhortation concerning woundedness that we encounter in others. You and I have been called to care for one another. We're called to encourage one another, to help one another. When you see a sister or a brother with a wounded spirit, what's your response? Do you ignore it? Or do you tell them to snap out of it? When I was a younger Christian, I used to pride myself in the fact that I just told it like it is. I would drop a couple truth bombs on people and think I'd done my duty. But I'm afraid that I caused some deeper wounds with that attitude. When you and I see a lost sheep, we need to imitate the good shepherd and gently lead them back. And I found this quote by the great British preacher Charles Spurgeon that beautifully captures this sentiment. He said, I beg you, never grieve those upon whom the hand of God is lying in the form of a depression of spirit. But be very tender and gentle with them. You need to encourage them in their sadness. You need not encourage them in their sadness. But at the same time, let there be no roughness in dealing with them. They have many very sore places, and the hand that touches them should be as soft as down. Woundedness is a tragic reality in this fallen world, and none of us are exempt. And for now, in spite of what some well-meaning Christians may teach, there is no magic gospel pill that can guarantee instant healing. Like Christian and hopeful, we may have to spend an unknown number of days in the dungeon of giant despair. Yet we know that Jesus has conquered sin and death and that one day everything that is broken will be made whole. We began with David's question in Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Well, you and I can confidently join with him in the answer that he found. He said, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that there is hope even in the darkest of times. Lord, help us to constantly be reminded of your love for us, of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. And Lord, draw us back out of those pits of despair. Bring us back to a solid footing, Lord, that we might rejoice in hope. So we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. 
We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.